0: Isaiah 22 and just one verse there, verse number 22. The prophet says these words, he says, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. And what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Can you say amen? the book of Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7, the word says to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, write, these are the words of him who are holy and true, who holds the key of David. And what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Can you say Amen with the help of the Lord today, I want to talk to you for a few moments on a simple thought, keys, keys, heavenly father, we love you today. And we thank you God for your mercy and your grace that's in this room. God, I thank you, Lord, for the spirit that we've already felt. I thank you, God, for the souls that are being saved over in Africa and Madagascar. But God, I thank you for the souls that are going to be saved right here today in Cincinnati at the Tree of Life Church. And God, I pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds and let us receive what your Word has to say to us. God, he that hath an ear, let him hear today what the Word says to the church. And God, we won't fail to give you glory for it in Jesus' name name we pray, and somebody said amen today. God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. When I was a, I was a young kid, my dad pastored church in southwestern Indiana, and uh, we had a man in that church whose name was Bill. And Bill loved the Lord. Bill was faithful to the Lord. Bill for a living managed a gas station and a convenience store, and Bill carried a ring of keys on his belt that was roughly the size of a basketball, (laughs) at least that's how it appeared to me. You could hear old Bill coming from a mile away with those keys on his hip and when Bill got excited from time to time at church, you know, as as we Pentecostals do, Bill, Bill would sometimes take off running around the aisles and he would he would he would run the aisles. And do you think that he took those keys off his belt before he ran the aisles? No, sir, no ma'am. No. No. Bill, old Bill would run laps around that church with this huge ring of keys just jingling and jangling and flipping and flopping and sounded like a Christmas sleigh was coming down the runway, you know. <laughs> he did. And if old Bill took a corner too fast, you better not be standing too close to the aisle because, no, those keys were going to come and they were going to just sever your arm off clean, man. It was, <laughs> that was what was going to happen. My brother and I used to get tickled at old Bill because he liked to stand up and testify and I kid you not, one of the phrases that old Bill liked to use when he testified was, Jesus has the key to what you need. Yeah. <laughs> and my brother and I would, you know, we'd laugh at each other and poke each other and we'd say, well, so does brother Bill, really, if you want to, you know, be honest about it. <laughs> <And> brother Bill. <laughs> I'm sure that we all know somebody who aspired to be a high school janitor when they grew up, right? Carried around that big old, that big old ring of keys, maybe you still do today. I I didn't realize that when I became a pastor, Brother Enos, that that was going to come with a big old key ring and I was going to have every key to every church to every, from the beginning of time. I didn't realize that was going to happen. And yet it did. Here I am living that dream, right? And, uh, and man, we got, we, we had drawers and buckets and whole rooms just dedicated to keys. And, you know, we had the key to everything, right? It was, it was crazy. Now I gotta tell you, a key is not a new concept. The key has been around for a long, long time. It's believed that Egyptians figured out a way to make basic wooden locks and specifically fashioned those with key devices that could open those locks. They would do that in order to keep valuables safe, and and back then, if you were wealthy, you could have a lock and a key made, and if you were really wealthy, you could have one made for a door, you know, if you wanted to keep unwanted company out of your home. The basic concept of the lock and key did not change a whole lot for approximately 1,500 years, that is until the Romans were able to take newer technology and they were able to make these devices more sophisticated and more elaborate. And instead of using wood like the Egyptians did, that was easy to duplicate, that was easy to break, it was easy to crack and get into, the Romans began to use metal. They began to use things like iron and silver. and brass. And again, only the extraordinarily wealthy could afford these locks and keys, and they would use them to protect their valuables, to protect their homes from, from thieves, and the keys were used to give access to those that were in authority. If you had a ring of keys in those days, you were seen as a person of extreme importance. You were seen as a person of authority and power. It was a status symbol to walk around with a, with a set of keys like this in those days. And boy, had old brother Bill been around then, he, he would have been the most important man in the world. No doubt about that. No doubt about it. Now today, we still use keys to lock up possessions and lock doors and secure valuables and all manner of things and keys still, they'll still shut you out or they'll give you access. If you have keys today, it still means that you have some sort of authority and some sort of power because you've been trusted with access to something that they didn't want to open up for just anybody and everybody. Whether that be the vehicle you drive, whether that be the house you live in, maybe it's just a box of valuables, keys come with a certain level of responsibility and a certain level of importance. And today I want you to know that keys not only have significance in the physical realm, but they have similar significance in the spiritual realm as well. Some of you Bible scholars may already know some of this, but the Old Testament or the Old Covenant is made up, actually made up of seven different covenants, right? The Old Covenant is actually seven individual covenants that God made with His creation. First you have the Edenic Covenant, which was God's covenant with creation. You have the Adamic Covenant, which was God's covenant with Adam. You have the Noahic covenant, which was God's covenant with Noah. You have the Abrahamic covenant, which was God's covenant with Abraham. You have the Mosaic covenant, which was God's covenant with Moses or the Law of Moses, if you will. You you have the Israeli covenant which was God's covenant with the people of israel. And then finally, number seven, you have the Davidic covenant which was God's covenant with David and the house of David. Now each of these seven covenants are exhaustive studies in and of themselves. We could spend whole Bible studies and whole sermons talking about each individual covenant, uh, uh, these Old Testament covenants. But I reference them today because two of these covenants were significant when it came to the concepts of dominion, authority, and unlocking spiritual doors. The first was God's covenant with Adam. When God made Adam in his image, he made a covenant with Adam and he gave Adam the keys, if you will, or dominion and authority to and over the earth and everything that was in it. Every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, every fish of the sea, every herb bearing seed, every tree and the fruit that was within it, everything was under man's dominion and under man's authority. But we know that Adam was unable to keep that covenant. He yielded to sin and thereby gave up that authority and that dominion that he had been given by God. Sin had robbed Adam when he disobeyed God and Adam forfeited his keys of authority. He lost his keys. Now I'm going to tell you today it's okay to lose your car keys. And it's okay to lose your house keys, but by no means do you want to find yourself in a position where you have lost that which is spiritual in your life. The second covenant that was important to this concept was God's covenant with David. Both 2 Samuel chapter 7 and Psalm 89, if you go back and read both of those chapters, they outline in detail this Davidic covenant. God made this covenant with David with an oath. It was an everlasting covenant that involved David's seed, and it involved David's house, and it involved David's kingdom and his throne. This covenant, just like Adam's did, it also with David involved authority and dominion. It involved some keys. It involves some keys. And this is the context that is being referenced by the prophet Isaiah when he wrote in our text. Isaiah is actually referring to this Davidic covenant in Isaiah 22 and verse 22 when he said, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David, that what he opens no one can shut, and what he shuts no one can open. Now Jewish scholars tell us that it was common in those times for kings and rulers to bestow a key to the house, if you will, to a main steward or overseer of the estate. In other words, the person who served as the king's ruler or right-hand man, the one that was often in charge of things when the master would go away, that individual would very often get an honorary set of keys. They would get an honorary set of keys and everybody in the house knew who that person was because they would, they would take a patch and they would sew a patch on the shoulder of that key holder. They would sew a key patch, it was a patch that had a key on it, they would sew that onto the shoulder of the garment and that symbol designated that individual as the primary Key holder, the primary authority while the master was away. It was this key symbol that would be the thing that gave that person dominion over the estate while the master was gone. This, of course, meant that the key holder had access to the entirety of the kingdom. This key holder could go places that no one else could go. He could do things that nobody else could do. It meant that when the key holder opened the door to the house, it meant that nobody was permitted to close that door except for the key holder himself. And when that same key holder would close the door in the house, it meant that nobody else was permitted to open that door without the authority of the key holder, the one who had the keys. And this is what God is saying to his people through the prophet Isaiah when he says, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David and what he opens no man can shut and what he shuts no one can open. And yet these physical keys were really just a type and shadow of what would be in the spirit Because the key of David didn't just represent a physical authority, but rather it was a type and shadow of a spiritual authority. And when God spoke through Isaiah, he wasn't talking to the prophet about physical keys. No, just like God gave Adam the key to physical dominion and authority in the Garden of Eden, God had given David the key to spiritual dominion and authority in the unseen realm. David did not forfeit his spiritual keys like Adam did. No, unlike Adam, David didn't lose the keys, rather David did what Adam was supposed to do and he preserved them and passed them down from generation to generation. And as the keys of dominion are passed down from David to his seed and as covenant relationship, that patch of authority is passed down from David to his seed. I want you to notice with me where those keys end up. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1 says this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. It starts with an Abrahamic covenant. And it lists Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then it proceeds down through fourteen generations from Abraham until it gets to David the son of Jesse. And then it proceeds down another fourteen generations to Israel's exile to Babylon. And then fourteen more generations to a man named Joseph who was the husband of a woman named Mary who was the mother of Jesus who is called the Messiah. And Jesus the Messiah was of the house of David and that made him a rightful heir of the Davidic Davidic covenant and a rightful recipient of the key of David. It was his birthright. It was his lineage. It wasn't some outsider who was, uh, you know, usurping his own law. It wasn't some robber or thief who was stealing something that rightly belonged to somebody else. No, it was Jesus who was given all power in heaven and earth. It was Jesus who was given authority over all things in heaven, the things in the earth, and the things under the earth. It was Jesus that was the rightful holder of the key of David. Now, we know that Jesus held the key to the kingdom of God. Matthew 16 and 19 tells you that. We understand that he held the key of knowledge. Luke 11 tells you that Jesus held the key and holds the key of knowledge. And now we understand that Jesus, through legitimate birthright, because he is an heir and a seed of the house of David, that he holds the key of David. And just when you thought that he held all the keys, you have to remember that there was still a set of keys that was missing. Because Adam's keys were still in the possession of sin and death. Adam had forfeited keys that God had given to him. Adam had lost those keys that God had entrusted him with. Adam had relinquished his authority and dominion when he fell to sin in the garden. But Jesus was not going to enter into a new covenant in the book of Matthew with just some of the keys said he wasn't going to enter into a new covenant without just a few, with just a few of the keys. No, he was going to need all of the keys in order to make the new covenant work. Are you still with me? So when Jesus submitted himself, brother Rod, to a cross when he became sin for all of mankind since the beginning of time until the end of time, when he was crucified as the spotless lamb slain from the foundation of the world, when he was buried in that borrowed tomb, Revelation one and nine says that his spirit went down into hell on a mission to recover some missing keys. Yeah, some missing keys, yeah. He had, to, he had to come to take back what Adam had lost. He had to come to recover the keys to death and hell. He, he, and he recovered all that was lost.
1: And the Bible says he went into hell and he took back what Adam had surrendered. And he went into hell and he took back the keys that
0: Adam had forfeited in the garden. But that's not all because Revelation nine says that while he was there, he went ahead and took the keys to the bottomless pit as well. Yeah. And so when Jesus resurrected from the grave on the third day, that he truly does so in all power. The Bible says he resurrected from the grave in all power. How was he able to resurrect in all power? The reason he has all power is because he now has recovered all the keys to every door, every lock, everything in this world.
1: He's got all the keys and that makes him the man with all the power. All the
0: authority. So when Isaiah says, I'm going to place on his shoulder the key, the key of David, who's that he that Isaiah's talking about? It's none other than the one called Wonderful, the one called Counselor. The one called the mighty God, the one called the everlasting father and the prince of peace, Emmanuel, God with us, the one who came to save his people from their sin. He's talking about Jesus. Now those keys represented the unlocking of doors. They represented the unlocking of dominion and authority that the person who possessed the keys had the authority over the house. They could open doors that could not be closed and they could close doors that could not be opened. And guess who had all the keys? Yeah. Mm. But here's the thing. Jesus was about to ascend into heaven. He was about to go away to prepare a place. And just like David's keys had been passed down to David's physical seed, Jesus needed to be able to pass down these keys to his seed. Except Jesus didn't have any physical seed, no, but he was going to have a spiritual seed. Mm. And Jesus wanted to give access via those keys, not just to a few, but he wanted to give access to those keys to whosoever will. Whosoever will, let him come. Not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. And so when you get over to Matthew chapter 16, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, but what about you, disciples, who do you say that I am? Well and Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my, by my father, which is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But look at what he says in verse 19. He says, and I will give to you the keys. hmm I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever it is you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. (laughs) Jesus gives Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. But I would submit to you today that the keys that Jesus was handing to Peter was none other than the key of David. Oh, the key of dominion, the key of authority, the key of revelation, oh yes, the key of revelation. Keys that would unlock spiritual doors that nobody else would be able to shut. Keys that would bind on earth what was bound in heaven and loose on earth what was already loosed in heaven. Keys that would unlock the doors to truth. And did Peter use those keys? I would say he did. What did he use them for? Well keys are used for opening doors, right? So Peter used them to open the door of faith to both the Jew and the Gentile. Yeah both the Jew. He used the keys to open the doors of faith to the Jews on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And then he used those same keys again to open the door of faith to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. So thanks to the keys given to Peter by Jesus, we Gentiles did not have to come in under the law. We did not have to come in under the circumcision or under the Mosaic ritual. Instead, we were offered salvation through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Mm. This means that you and I now wouldn't have to be born of a physical bloodline to obtain this power and authority, rather we could be born again of water and of spirit. We could be born again into a spiritual bloodline where we could receive the same power and the same authority. We now were set up to be heirs of our righteousness. We now were set up to be sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And how, Brother Sizemore, were those keys going to get passed down to us? I mean, how was that spiritual power and that spiritual authority going to get bestowed to you and I? How was Jesus going to pass down these keys of power and authority to his seed? Jesus told us. In Acts 1 and verse 8 he said, but you shall receive power. You shall receive authority after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Where does that power and authority come from? It comes from the seal of promise. Remember when the master went away, they provided a seal to those that had spiritual authority. Remember that, remember that. They provided a seal to those that were in authority while the master was away. But this seal would not be an outward seal, no, on your shoulder. No, this would be an inward seal that would get placed upon the hearts of every man. Paul would explain it like this. Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Did you catch that? I said when Jesus went away, he did not put a patch on our garment, he did not put a patch on our shoulder in order for us to identify with power and authority, but he gave us a comforter. He sent a spirit. He sent his own spirit uh, to come and be placed upon the hearts
1: uh, of every man whereby we might cry, Abba, Father. Yeah.
0: And I got to tell you, when the Holy Ghost comes on you, you will have authority to do what Adam could not do. Adam couldn't tread on the serpent in the garden, but when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, Luke said, you'll tread upon that serpent. Yeah. You're gonna have the authority to do what Adam couldn't do. When the Holy Ghost comes on you, you will have the power over the adversary of your soul. When the Holy Ghost comes on you, you'll be able to resist the devil and he must flee from you. You'll have the power, such power, that you'll be able to overcome every fiery dart of the wicked in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, i got to tell you today it's the Holy Ghost uh, that grafts us into a new covenant relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. Mm. The Holy Ghost is the key that will open doors that you previously could not open. It's the Holy Ghost that will give you authority that you did not have. It's the Holy Ghost that will be the keys that you've been missing this whole time. It's the power of God, the Spirit of God that will cause you to bind and loose on earth what is bound and loosed in heaven. When you're sealed with that precious seal of promise, Satan won't be able to defeat you. Death will no longer be able to sting you. The grave will no longer be able to hold you. You'll be connected to the vine, you'll be an heir to the promise. Your house and your seed will be blessed. Mm. Huh. And David said, No plague will be able to come nigh my dwelling. Why? Why is that? Why can no plague come nigh your dwelling, David said, because I've got some keys. I've got keys that the world didn't give me and the world can't take them away. Oh, I've got key, I've got the keys. The devil can't get to me. The adversary can't come and get me. No devil, the devil can't overtake me. That disease can't consume me. I'm telling you, keys are the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost oh thank god for the holy ghost thank god for the power thank god for the keys that we've been provided through the spirit of god that's come to live in our lives hallelujah come on if you're thankful for the power that god has given you why don't you just lift your hands right now Come on if you're thankful for the authority, if you're thankful for the dominion, if you're thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost in your life, why don't you begin to praise him? Hallelujah. Why don't you stand with me all across this place today? these keys that we've been given. They don't just unlock the doors here on the earth but they also unlock some doors in the heavenlies. When John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos Bible says he got into the spirit on the Lord's day. Mm. And Revelation says that God began to give John a revelation it says to the angel at the church of Philadelphia he said write these are the words of him that are holy and true who holds the key of David if you didn't know that the red letters there meant that Jesus was talking he goes ahead and just confirms it right here the one who holds the key of David Jesus still holds the key. He was holding the key in the beginning with Adam. And wouldn't you know that he's still holding the key again in the end. You know what that tells me? That tells me that he really is the Alpha and the Omega. the author and the finisher of my faith. He really is the beginning and the end. Because he's still holding the keys and Brother Dick said, I don't have to worry about what's going on in Israel right now. I'm paying attention to it, but I'm not worried about it. I'm not walking in fear about it. You know why? because I know who's got the keys, I know who's got the authority,
1: I know who's got the power.
0: And what the key holder opens, no one can shut. And what the key holder shuts, no one can open. I, I, I don't know, maybe some of you are here today and you're trying to make sense out of things. Maybe you're here today and you're trying to connect all the dots and you're trying to break down doors in your life that God says that all you have to do is unlock it. And the problem isn't that you, isn't what you know, the problem is that you haven't let God give you the promised keys yet. So you're looking to be led and guided into all truth and the key to that happening just happens to lie with the power of the Holy Ghost because it's the Holy Ghost that leads me and guides me into all truth. Listen, I've gone the long way around today to tell you that while you've been waiting for him to open that door, he's been wanting to give you the key that'll give you the power to open it for yourself. The Holy Ghost will give you power to unlock the doors that you've been staring at for so long. The Holy Ghost will unlock the door to love and joy and peace and long suffering and goodness and gentleness and meekness and faith and temperance. The Holy Ghost will unlock the door to gifts in your life and it'll give you to close those doors that you should have never opened in the first place. Oh, somebody ought to hear that. I said it'll give you the power to close that door that you never should have opened in the first place. We're getting ready to sing a song today. If you're here and you say, Brother Sizemore, I can't find my keys. I don't know what's happened. Maybe, maybe I've given sin too much rain in my life. Maybe I've, maybe I've given myself a, 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 an opportunity for, for my keys to be stolen or four-footed. If that's you today, I want you to know that the master key holder has another set that he's ready to give to you today and if you'll let him he'll give you the keys of the Holy Ghost in your life maybe you're here and you've never received the Holy Ghost as we sing this song why don't you come and why don't you let God give you the key of authority to open and close doors in your life God wants to give it to you today come on God wants to put his seal
1: on your heart and it's for you and you can have it today come on who will come come on who will come and get a set of keys today come on don't walk out that a out of keys.
0: somebody just grab somebody near you right now grab their hand come on I want you to begin to pray the prayer of faith with them right now come on God wants to fill you with his spirit God wants to open up that door of revelation he wants to open up that door of direction he wants to open up that door of effectual healing come on God wants to do it for you right now he's giving you the keys right now come on he wants to give you the keys to make that marriage work he wants to give you the keys to make that family come together come on God wants to restore right now come on pray with somebody reach over and by the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost lay your hand on somebody right now and begin to pray the prayer of faith God, I need you. God, I want you. I need your spirit. God, I want to walk in
1: covenant relationship with you. Yes.